Go ahead and stand and turn to the Word of God, to Proverbs chapter 4. Stand in reverence for the Word of God. You know, we kind of take that principle, like, it's not mandatory, but like in Nehemiah, like when they read the Word of God, they stood for the reading of God's Word. And um, we actually have it kind of easy because they actually stood for the entire message. We always get to sit down right after we read. Amen. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4 in verse 23. I guess we'll go ahead and read a few verses before. Um, Verse 19. The way of the wicked... Is this darkness? They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips. Put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Heavenly Father, we just pray, Lord, um, you just be with um, your word today in the declaration of it. And um, we love you, we adore you, and Lord, help us to even love you more. So we know your love's far surpassed as our own. And for that, we thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, uh, last week we preached on um, forgetting the past, pursuing the prize. And, you know, many times for a Christian, you really live victoriously. They must forget the past and reach forward to the things which are before. And um, all things are new in Jesus Christ. But yeah, even as a Christian, even after coming to salvation... It does not mean that every day all of a sudden becomes easy. You know, actually, you read in the Bible, you know, at many times people became a Christian, and then it meant prison, meant death. It wasn't the way to the easy life. It was the way to the cross, um, carrying your own cross. You know, even in times of blessing where um, persecution maybe isn't abounding um, in, in different regions around the world, when there is peace. There will still be times where Christians go through times of discouragement. Times where maybe they're depressed. Maybe sometimes chronic depression. And so what I'm preaching to teach about, Proverbs 4, 23, says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. That this is something to work at. It's going to take a diligent effort to keep or to guard your heart. Usually when we're discouraged, when we're depressed, it's because our heart's not really guarded. 
We're being led. We're being driven by the heart. You know, at down days, times of discouragement usually happen in every Christian's life, in every person's life. Down times even happen in every church. Man, I wish that, you know what, that the momentum was always just upward in the church. You know, it's just everything's always upward. There's not, not a roller coaster. Up, down, up, down. Well, you know what? It's just the way it happens. Um, and it's, it's the same with marriage. You know what? If you get married day one, things don't always just go straight up. Sometimes it's more reflects like the stock market. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Crash! And then when you're crash, there's a choice to make. Are we going to work at it and keep, keep investing for the long haul? Or are we going to sell out and give up? And then you lose all the earnings you could have had. But... You know, life, marriage, church life. You know, there are times dry spells happen. Doesn't mean you give up and allow discouraging times to defeat you. Um, and nor does it mean to have a woe is me attitude. Oh man, things are just so hard. Life is just so difficult. Oh man, man, I just don't see the value in myself. It's not what God wants for us. Nor does it mean you just abruptly end your relationship with your church family. I'm going to be writing something shortly. I already start writing some thoughts. And just about how the modern church often does not reflect a family of families. Sure, there are lots of people, lots of families that may be in a church. But many times what is lost is that real True, genuine family connection. Man, I want that. I want to have a church body. Man, where is family? Where, yeah, it's so hard and difficult for you to want to leave because it becomes it's a family. And, um, and we support one another. We bear one another's burdens. I'm going to be writing a post about, um, about how, you know, at the meantime, if we work on our family, if we have our family right, then that's going to help reflect in the church family as well. But you know what? People are so prone to, you know, oh, things aren't working out. Divorce. Get remarried. Divorce. Get remarried. And that reflects in the church. Oh, I don't like what's going on or I don't like what happened. I'm just going to leave the church, go to another one, another year. Leave that church and go to another one and so on, so on. But if there's that true family in your own family then it helps have that in the church family as well. Uh, I recently heard about this story. Um, I was able to go to a pastor training thing on Tuesday, and I heard it before. I maybe even used this as an illustration before. Um, but there was, there was this man that he was a private pilot and, and um, had a nice jet and, um, or airplane, and um, he went, he went fly, flying and um, all of a sudden, the motor, the engine, um, started to fail. And he was able to come and bring it to a safe landing. You would think, wow, man, this is Providence, because there happened to be an island and stuff, just, just, just right there and stuff. And so he was able to get, get, get on the island. And 
it was uninhabitable. There, were, there, 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 there was nobody there. There were different animals and creatures and everything, but there weren't any other people. But he had to learn to survive on his own. And the story goes that it was about a decade that, man, he would spin. He would see other airplanes fly. He would try smoke signals, trying to get their attention. Boats would go by. Ships would go by. Try and get their attention. Nobody would see him for ten years surviving on your own. I don't know if I could do that. Maybe I should um, go on one of those Survivor Series shows and they could help prepare me for it. Amen. Um, finally, an airplane, a pilot saw him. But he couldn't just all of a sudden go down. But um, he notified um, um, the government they were coming from and told them about, hey, there was this man on this island. He looked like he was trying to get help. We couldn't stop. And so a couple of days later, um, a helicopter ends up coming off of a ship going um, into the area. The guy again, he's all getting excited. The helicopter comes down, and man, the pilot gets out. Before the pilot actually even gets out, the man runs and gives him a huge bear hug. He goes, thank you, thank you. I've been here for over a decade and nobody would come. Nobody would see me. And he's like, oh man, well, we got to get going. Gather everybody um, that's here and um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you back, back home. And he's like, well, there is no one else here. I'm the only one. And man's like, what? You're the only one here? And the man goes, yes, I promise you. I've been across every square inch of this island looking for people, and there is nobody here. And he goes, that's odd. That's strange. He goes, when I was coming down, I saw at least three huts, three houses. And man goes, oh, that's easy to explain. Um, one of them's my house. And so that's where I live. Um, it's a simple house. It's just me, so I live there. And then the other one's um, the house, house I built for church. It's, it's my church. And um, that's where I go and worship. And then, and then the man goes, well, what about the third house? Well, that's where I used to go to church. And so, and see, sometimes it just takes one person to be discontent. That we can so often get discontent on our own, by ourselves. But... But every person wrestles with times of discouragement. You don't need to feel alone in it, nor do you need to pretend that you never deal with it. You know, and how oftentimes, you know, we come to church, we're putting our best forward, and yeah, we're dying inside, we're getting depressed, we're getting discouraged. And now I understand, you know what, we do want to put our best forward in a sense, but we could be real too. But at the same time, we don't want to go to the extreme where we're all coming here and we're like, oh, life is so miserable. Oh, why is this happening to my life? I'm having this problem. I'm having that. We don't want to go overboard where we're always focused on ourselves. But it's okay to be real with each other. Say, hey, you know what? Pray for this need. You know what? There's this struggle going on. Or like, hey, you know what? When you're having something happen in your house, maybe... Maybe something broke and you can't, can't get help. You know what? Call the church family. We'll try to find somebody. You know, we're to be a family of families. 
You know, we don't need to deceive ourselves like we none of us ever get discouraged. We should just simply learn to respond biblically and patiently. You know, emotions are shapeable. They, 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 they could be molded. They could be conformed. The heart is leadable. Um, so it's critical that you lead your heart rather than let your heart lead you. As the apostles often wrote in relation to rejoicing, even in times of suffering. You know, the natural inclination of my heart isn't to go, woohoo, I'm suffering today. This is so funny. Oh, I am so happy that I have to get a root canal. You know, that, that's, that's not my, the typical heart attitude mindset. But, you know, even when we may have a suffer, where it be that minor, it's a root canal that I'm going to need to get. Or if it's something more major, something more tragic, we can still learn to lead our heart to rejoice even in times of suffering. And to guide the heart by your spiritual growth. So I'm just going to give some ways, some practical tips of how you could um, help encourage your heart when it's down. You know what? Some turn you painkillers like drugs or alcohol when they're discouraged. Some go to more of a pain expression like anger and showing their temper and showing their wrath. Some try to repress the pain of being discouraged by simply ignoring it, pretending it's not there. But there are better places to go uh, um, and better ways to respond um, to discouragement. When we experience times of discouragement, we ought to see how it be an overcomer, not a defeatist, not one where we're oh, where we feel defeated. Go ahead and turn you Psalms one nineteen verse fifty. Psalm one nineteen verse fifty, and also go ahead and go Psalm or First Thessalonians chapter four. Alright, Psalm 119, verse 50 says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. You know, when we're discouraged, one of the first things we ought to do is go to the Word of God. Go to the Bible for comfort. Get, 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 get in it. Read the Psalms. Nothing can minister to you like God's Word. Hear Him first. Bible speaks directly about many of our issues and many times indirectly to circumstances that we may be going through. Um, for example, you know what? Say someone is discouraged. Um, say because they, some, something silly is, they lost the game. They lost the game and they're discouraged by it. They're depressed by it. Now, a Bible maybe isn't where they open a Bible and it may not read about how to be a good loser. But 
it may say something about pride, about being self-focused. And then realizing, you know what? It's not all about me. Man, even though I'm the loser here, I can rejoice for them that they won. And, and, and so, you know, we can learn um, to take comfort, though, in God's Word. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Go Stick in Psalms as well. We're going to go with several Psalms. Um, so stay in Psalms as well. But First Thessalonians 4, in verse 13, it says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Okay, so again, comfort. And you know what? Christ is coming again. We'll meet him in the air one day. We're finding comfort in what? In God's Word. God said this. God gave this promise. And so we find comfort in the Word of God. So when you're discouraged, when you're down, go to God's Word. Let it be something you cling to. Number two, go to the Lord in prayer. Go to the Savior in prayer and communication. Nobody can carry your burden like Jesus can. You know, it's helpful to bear one another's burdens. But you know what? Jesus carries that burden way greater, better than we can. Psalm 55, verse 22. Psalm 55. Verse 22, it says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. No, cast a burden upon the Lord, and we got this promise. He shall sustain thee. You know, once you've given it to Jesus, once you've cast your burden to Him, why worry about it anymore? No, you've given it to Him. God knows what you're going through. You cast your burden to Him. There's no need to waste our energy on it anymore. The gospel makes you safe, accepted, secure, and anchored in Jesus. So rest in that, regardless of how your emotions may feel. And we, we don't want to be guided by our heart. We need to keep our heart with all diligence. We need to guard our heart. We need to lead our heart to lead our emotions. And you know, one of the things we could pour our emotions out to is the Lord in prayer. Billy Sunday said, he that is a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. Many times. And it's true. We lack power in our spiritual life. 
because of lack of prayer. Bible says you receive not because ye ask not. Ask believing and ye shall receive. Psalm 16. I'm going to go to Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and verse 11. says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Go ahead and turn to 1 Peter 3 and also Ecclesiastes 4. And we see that there is fullness of joy in God's presence. So, enter His presence. He's already in our presence. He's there. He's omnipresent. But make your presence known by entering His presence through prayer. Crying out to the Lord will do much greater than just whining and griping to your friends all the time about your problems. Now again, you know, we're here to bear each other's burdens. But there comes a time where we're just becoming whiners. It's we're discouraged. We're down. When we're down, it's hard to see otherwise. That's why we must respond biblically to get out of that downer moment. Number three, you know what? Go to your spouse or a godly friend. You know, I get, um, get having an objective view regarding your circumstances could be helpful when you're in the midst of a storm of emotions. Talk to your spouse. Talk, talk to your friends. And you know what? Sometimes our spouses can be so insecure and down because we're not being very approachable. And so if you're on the receiving end, then you know, we need to be willing to listen. Or your spouse won't talk to you. First Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, you husbands... Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Dwell with them according to knowledge. That means you have to listen, husbands. Listen to your wife. Listen to her insecurities. You know, oftentimes you'll find she'll feel better. Just after talking to you, if you allow her to talk to you. You know, some of you are married. You know, find a friend that you could talk to. And I'm not talking about just finding any kind of friend that say if you're coming and you're coming critical, that you're just going to be critical about whatever you're being critical about. Or if you're discouraged, um, where they're just going to say, oh, just get over it. But talk to a friend that's an encourager. A Barnabas-like person in the Bible that's there to encourage. That where sometimes if you are just being hypercritical through your emotions, you got hurt, you got offended, and you're retaliating, they can tell you, you know what? This is kind of silly. Think back about what you're really upset about. And when they say, boy, encourage you to do right, to, en- to encourage you to help you, to listen to you. And you may point you to the Bible. Maybe they'll have scriptures that could be a help. 
Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he have not another to help him up. So be willing to go to a friend at times. And be willing to be that friend to help them up. As for prayer from Christian friends and intentionally be with people who are going to make you stronger in God's grace and wisdom. God will, God, God will usually give them a word fitly spoken that you really needed to hear. But the key is you need to reach out. You know, there sometimes could be people that are discouraged, depressed. And they can even be thinking, man, why doesn't pastor just come by? Come encourage me. I may not know you're discouraged. Your friends may not know you may not know you're discouraged. That's the problem sometimes we do when we're down, when we're discouraged. We have this mindset that sometimes we expect people to be able to read our mind. Or sometimes we expect people to read our body language. And they're just not getting it. Not communicate. You know, sometimes they maybe see your body language, but they think it's instead of seeing you're hurt, you're down, they see that, man, you're this angry person that's about to lash out. And so they avoid you because that's what they're sensing. Even though that maybe was in the body language you were trying to give up. Best kind of communication is with your words. Talk. Speak. Okay? We see power comes from words. Jesus said, Lazarus, arise. He came from the dead. That's pretty powerful. I don't think we're going to be that powerful with our words. But the Bible does say there is life. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, you could greatly encourage someone or you could discourage someone greatly. Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Go ahead, turn you third John chapter one. That's towards the end of your Bible. Also, you know, take time to spend time with your family when you're down. You know, sometimes when we're down, we want to get away from our family. And there may be times where we do need to get away and spend time alone with the Lord. Do that. But don't end up just totally excluding your family. Because your family, children, grandchildren, they could bring you joy. That you spend time with your kids, your grandchildren, even when you're depressed and down, it could lift your spirits up. It, it, it could brighten your day. And even church family. You know what? Calling one another, writing a note. And, um, you know, I know you guys don't have a church directory or anything like that. And stuff. We need to get another one of those, have authorization forms. And you know, we've been talking about that for a while. But um, we being kind of one of And even if you don't have their address, you could write a card and bring it to them at church. If, you, if, if they're here. If they've been gone, then maybe you can't deliver it to them. But then you can give it to me and I can give it to them as well. But, you know, it's just you could by doing something for someone, visiting them, talking to them, calling them, could encourage them. Went and stopped by um, one of the men from the church by their work this past week, and 
It's like, man, you know what? I've been down, and you just brightened my day. I don't know how that was possible by me, but, you know, it was encouraging to them. Just by me going by and visiting them and saying hi. Oftentimes, or sometimes people think, they go, oh, well, you're doing, that's the pastor. He's supposed to do it. So it may mean more if you go do that kind of stuff. You know, it's not just the pastor. It's the church family. Which I think pastor's part of church family too, amen? Don't just do it just because it's my job, amen? Our reason I wanted to be it is because I do love, I care about people, and ultimately the calling of God. But you know what? When we're discouraged and we're going to spend time with family, we need to make sure we're intentional about it. Because what could happen is, yes, we go and spend time with our kids or grandkids, but we're so distracted with the problem. Again, that's where we need to cast it to the Lord and go, you know what, I'm just going to spend time with the family. Otherwise, the emotional problems will distract you from your family. You know, particularly when people are saved, you know, 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than you hear that my children walk in truth. What thing you rejoice about? You know, if you have children that are saved, grandchildren that are saved, or, you know, maybe they're not saved. But, you know, how much joy you'll be if you get the opportunity to lead them to Christ. No greater joy than you hear that my children walk in truth. Aim for, recon- aim for reconciliation with people. Um, a lot of times, our stress, our, our difficulties, our anxiety, often relates to our conflicts with other people. And many times, there's not even any conflict. It's just a perceived conflict. We think somebody looked at us the wrong way. They, maybe they were in a stare. They stared at you. And you're like, man, why are they staring at me? Well, maybe they have a difficulty they're going through. And they're just staring because they're struggling. But you think they looked into you a dirty way. Many times it's perceived. Now, sometimes there really is conflict. But even when it's perceived, sometimes it would be good just to make sure. No, usually they're not going to admit it if there was. They're not going to go, yeah, I've been bitter about you. They're usually not going to confess that. But you know what? That If you by going to them, it could touch their heart because they see that you were concerned. And maybe they would open up and share something. But Romans twelve eighteen, Bible says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, Live peaceably with all men. It's good news, if it be possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, take every step you can to being at peace with all people. When a relationship's been hindered, you can't always make the other person reconcile. But you could get it off your chest. You could give it off your heart by you doing what you can do to make things right. If they refuse the reconciliation, they refuse to forgive, if there's some kind of offense, or they just want to be better, you know what? You do what you can to live peaceably with all men. They may not want it back, but you could let it go. 
You do, you, do, you do your part in trying to live at peace with other people, and then you could move on. You don't need to be anxious, continue to be anxious about it. And this will help bring peace into your heart. You know, First Peter 3, 8. Um, we, read, we read part of that earlier, um, but First Peter 3, 8, I'll read more of it. It says, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love is brethren. Be pitiful. Be, con- be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or rowing for rowing, but contrary wise blessing. Knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Okay? Don't need to respond back with retaliation, but to seek peace, to cast off bitterness. You go to Hebrews 12 if you'd like. Um, in Hebrews 12, verse 14, it says, Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness bringing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now, when we are bitter, Proverbs says, bitterness is this rottenness to the bones. Medically, scientifically, they show that bitter people end up being unhealthy people. It affects your health. It affects your immune system. When we're bitter... I would say it says a merry heart do of good like a medicine. No, being happy, being a joyful person. It helps your health. There's benefits to it. Here the Bible says, with bitterness, it doesn't just affect you. Many are defiled when the root of bitterness springs up. No, you can be bitter... Against one of your children. You know what? That could end up bringing bitterness by your other children with their siblings. I'm talking about grown up children. You know, if you always complain, bicker about a child of yours, your other children are probably going to start doing the same thing. It could be the same thing, you know, in a church family. There could be someone in the church that you really don't like. Could even be the pastor, but it doesn't have to be. It could be anyone in church. That you just they rub you the wrong way. You just don't like something about them. You don't really like spending time with them. You know, we all have our flaws. We all have our quirks. That's why we're supposed to forbear one another in love. Put up with each other in love. Okay? But we can be bitter about someone and always talk and complain and criticizing that person to our family. And then the whole family ends up becoming discontent with the church. Start saying things like, man, you complain about the people at the church quite often. Man, you talk about how you don't like the pastor the way he preaches. Why are you still going there? 
And then if you had extended family that were coming, they could end up getting out of church. Or friends. That bitterness could defile many. It doesn't affect just you. It's sad, but you know, there's a lot of pastors, kids, that don't turn out right. You know, maybe sometimes it could be, maybe the pastors complain and was bitter about the flock too much. Maybe there was someone that gave them trouble, and the pastor sometimes just trying to share things with their wife. Man, we're going through this difficulty, and the children over here, and then they just hear all this criticism. When they grow up, if all they remember and see is the bad things, why would they want to remain apart? I'm not saying, you know what, you hide everything. You know what, sometimes it's good for people to see, you know what, problems do happen. Now let's work on seeing how to resolve the problems. And so, otherwise, you know, you have someone, say someone goes into the ministry, say someone was trained by their dad and they go into ministry as well. And then, man, they get there, and man, problem after problem after problem. It'll be like, man, what is this like? I need to get out of here. When really, maybe, you know what, dad went through the same thing, but maybe he sheltered too much. So, you know what, there's a balance. And you know what, you need to seek the Lord for the discernment in that. But one thing we never really need to do is we don't need to be critical of people. It's one thing, you know what, say someone gets up and say they get in a shouting match with someone else. Well, other people just saw that. And so for your children, grandchildren, family, friends, to see how you respond to that, how you seek to bring reconciliation to that problem, can mean a lot to them. It can make a world of a difference. (laughs) Cast off bitterness. Other ways you're going to defile your kids and your grandkids and those around you. And seek renewal from the Lord. Go ahead and turn you Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 in verse 28. It says, Hast thou not known... Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faint of not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Are you going through a downtime? Wait on the Lord. And know that you will not always feel the way you feel on your worst days. And when you're having a bad day, it doesn't mean it's going to be like that all the time or every season. He will eventually renew your strength if you wait upon Him. Make sure you don't make bad decisions when you're discouraged. Worst things we could do is make a life-altering decision when we're down, when we're discouraged. Endure the down times. 
For they are almost always followed by times of blessings and victories. But too often, people give up before they come. You know, another way to really just help get over your anxiety, being down, is discouraged, is really just come and worship God. You know, go in your room, find an altar, in the woods, wherever, and just plead and worship God. And your eyes are getting off self. And getting focused on God, your Creator, your Savior, your Redeemer. So you know what? Discouragement often comes because we got too inward focused about how we feel, about our moods. You know, we see Solomon did this when you read Ecclesiastes. You see, so often he says, it is vanity. This was vanity. That was vanity. The life was just depressing and discouraging. And that happened when he always looked around or looked within. He was in despair. But when he looked up and he worshipped, his heart changed. You know what? Coming to worship to the Creator will bring rest to your heart. You know what? Think of songs. Think of scriptures you could recite, that you can memorize, and, and, uh, and just worship and praise the Lord. This will renew your strength in ways that nothing else can. Psalm 73, if you're still in Psalms, go ahead and turn there. Psalm 73, in verse 15, it says, If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. And man, David's kind of depressed. He sees the wicked. He sees them prosper. He sees them doing right. When he speaks against the evils of the culture of the day, uh, man, people get angry with him. They get upset with him. And you know, it gets discouraging to him to see the culture in his day decay morally. And you um, hate God and you hate God's people. But he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. Until he went to a place where he, could, where he would worship. Then he understood that, no, their ways aren't going to be all prosperity. There is going to be judgment. And that, yes, though the righteous suffer at times in this life, that one day it's going to be all glory, be glory bound. You know, another way to help you when you're down, when you're depressed, get involved in serving. You know, so often we allow when we're getting down to make us stop serving in the little ways we maybe are serving. But oftentimes we're down because we're not serving in any way. We're not involved. We're not serving in the church. We're, we're not getting involved. Um, we're not serving others in our family. We're not thinking of extended family or friends or our neighbors. Give yourself to someone else. Share the gospel with someone. Intentionally encourage someone. Look around. Consider the hardships of others. And you'll see people that are hurting, mourning, struggling, and minister to them, and your problems will seem to get smaller. 
Philippians 1.12 says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me, what happened to him? He's in prison. He's locked up in a dungeon with his ankles um, tied up. But he says, I would have you understand that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So, he's looking at the bright side of things. You know, in Matthew 25, um, you know, Jesus talks about, um, about how the, the people, how they ministered to him. They fed him when he was hungry. They clothed him. They ministered to him in prison. And then they asked, Lord, when did we see you in prison? When did we feed you? And he says, when you did these unto my brethren, when you did this unto others, you did it as unto me. Serve. Get involved in serving. And it will help your problems become smaller. You know what? Lastly, surrender to God's sovereignty. Examine your own expectations and accept what you cannot change. There are things that happen in your life. You can't change them. Why worry? Why stress if it's something you absolutely can't change? Yield to God's control. Consider that perhaps He has led you to this period of time of testing. As God led the Hebrews between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, and they felt they were stuck. They were down. They were discouraged. They were depressed. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And they're being down. They're like, are you bringing us out here to die? God had them there to show His power. To show His salvation. To show His glory. To show the people a miracle. And so somehow when there's something you just can't control, you just need to yield to God. God, I'm giving you this burden. You said you cast a burden to you. I don't know what to do. There's nothing I can do. I give it to you, Lord. And when you're stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army, or said last week, stuck between the Red Sea and the devil, God maybe led you there to show a powerful miracle in your life. You know, a light heart is a joyful heart. And our, often our hearts are heavy because we are wrestling with things we cannot control or change. And understand, God is sovereign. The path to a lighter, more joyful heart is to simply surrender. God, this is what you have for me. I know some of you are going through particular difficulties. Some of you are going through difficulties I don't know anything about. You know what? Just surrender it to God. Yield to God. Understanding God is sovereign. He is ruler over all. I don't know how He's going to help you out of your problem. I don't know. But you surrender it to God. Accept His control in, in your life. Stop wrestling and start resting. Rest. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Isn't that kind of foolish? Wrestle with our maker? To, or as Romans 9 puts it, 
who, said, who can really say, why have you made me this? Why have you made me this way? No, he's the potter. We are the clay. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashion of it, what makest thou or thy work? He have no hands. Rest in the sovereignty of God for him to conform your life. You know, many times our problems aren't always even spiritual based. Just some other few tips that could kind of help you. Consider the physical or environmental influences upon your emotions. Sometimes it's simply you're exhausted. Maybe try getting intentional sleep. Intentionally get rest. Turn off the smartphones, the media, the TV, and get some rest. Sometimes simply tweaks such as eating healthier. Getting certain foods out of your diet. Sometimes exercising. Man, it helps release the endorphins you need to be happier. Many times we know this. We know how we feel after we go exercising it. We just get too lazy to do it. If you don't want to be down, don't want to be depressed, that's the way to start. Emotional lows, being discouraged, are going to be a part of your life. But seeing them objectively and responding to them appropriately is critical for your spiritual health. Expect them. Know that it's normal if you do experience them. But don't let emotions lead. Lead your emotions. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says, He that have no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. Usually I apply this verse when talking to people about anger. They're out of control. There's another verse where it specifically talks about anger. But this could apply anything in our heart. If we don't rule our own spirit, but we rather let our heart lead us, then we're as a city without walls. Walls that are broken down. God doesn't want the walls to be broken down around our heart. Just keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. And life could be way more joyful if you just guard that heart. Keep that heart. Emotions are natural. Emotions come from God. But they also sometimes come from our flesh. You know, let's let our emotions be guided by the Spirit of God. Man, we could be a happier people. We could be have encouragement that becomes contagious with others. Man, if people see you at church, you're happy. And you're not being fake, but you're really happy. People see that joy. It gets contagious. And that's how you see the upward momentum in your home, in the church. You know, when people are getting happy, they're excited, they're joyful. Even if they're suffering, man, that momentum builds up. When people are down, discouraged in any church, that affects the rest of the church negatively. Keep thy heart with diligence. Guard it. 
Let's go in and go with prayer. Heads bowed. We won't worry about any music um, playing, but just spend time in prayer. And just asking God, help guard your heart. Maybe you've been discouraged. Maybe you're discouraged right now. Maybe you're not now after hearing a message. That would be great. But sometimes it's not that easy. You need to apply. Give it up to the Lord. Um, Cast the burdens unto the Lord. Just seek Him. Pray for Him. I'm just going to read off real quick some of the things I mentioned here. may not do it in order, but go to the Word of God. Go to the Savior in prayer. Talk to a spouse or a godly friend. You know, spend time with your children, grandkids, your spouse. Aim for reconciliation with people. Now, many times, man, that burden's going to stay there until you try to reconcile. Cast off bitterness. Seek renewal from the Lord. Wait on Him. Worship God. Get involved in serving. And just trust in His sovereignty. And that will be a big start to helping you keep from staying in discouragement. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that You help us to be a joyful people. Help us, Amen, when we're out in town. That people get inquisitive and wonder, why are we so happy? Why are we so joyful? That we may show your glory to them. You know, there are times where we maybe are really down. We feel like we're in the pit. Lord, help us out. And help us to help others out. Help us to honor you to... Magnify your name. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask you to bless. Amen.